Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Football is back and so is Cash the Ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni every week this fall. That's picks, parlays, and that's sweet, sweet value. Cactus included on all the NFL and college football matchups. Full breakdowns on the biggest games, but if you have a life, you don't have 45 minutes to spare, we've got you. We're the most on-demand podcast. We're catered to you and the teams you love. That's Cash the Ticket. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into a special crossover edition of In the Huddle and Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman, co-host of Take Command and the Hoffman Show in D.C. on the Team 980 every weekday afternoon. My co-host on Take Command is Logan Paulson, played 10 years in the NFL. Uh, for those that are unfamiliar from the In the Huddle audience, that's us. For the Take Command audience, I think you probably know our co-hosts anyway. Brian Baldinger, of course, NFL Films and Odyssey Sports NFL Insider, and the great Jason Lockhamfora, NFL Insider for Odyssey Sports as well, also hosts Afternoons on 105.7 in Baltimore. Fellas, I'm excited to do this. How's everybody doing? Hey, it's, uh, it's a good time of the year. You know, we're, we're counting down the days, pretty soon the hours to, uh, you know, to the draft, which everybody looks forward to. I mean, it's the highlight of the offseason. No doubt about it. So we got the draft talk coming for sure, but we had some major news this week that we want to react to first in the NFC East. Jalen Hurts signs what is the most lucrative extension in NFL history, the way it is currently constructed and also uh, the way uh, it exists right now before Joe Burrow signs his. Five years, $255 million, the 255 biggest number ever, 51 average per year, biggest number ever. Uh, Baldy, I'll start with you. You're a Philly guy. Like, What did you make of the decision and kind of the way this is structured for Philly and, and how it positions them not only this year but for the next few years? Well, just think about this. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is, is, was going into his final year of his contract, fourth year. Um, the Super Bowl ended – February 13th, they got this deal done on April 17th. In two months, they got this deal done, the most lucrative deal for any quarterback in the history of the game, and not even a whisper about it. It's just got you got adults in a room. It's a win-win. The Eagles feel good about Jalen going forward. Jalen loves the deal. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's the way you hope negotiations can go. And Jalen Hurts is 24 years old. I think he's only going to get better. He's the ultimate leader. Um, you know, they, they've got their quarterback for the future locked up without even like an ounce of acrimony from either side. And I mean, not not every deal obviously gets done like this, but the Eagles have a history of this going back to McNabb. They did this with Carson Wentz after his third year, gave him the highest guaranteed signing bonus of all time, $107.9 million. Like, they understand the market and that this thing is never going to shrink. It's only going to go up. And so they just get ahead of the curve. 
and they get their guys locked up. It was a great deal, and, uh, you know, Eagles are in good shape going forward. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because, you know, you're obviously a big Philly guy and, you know, you're, you're a student of the game, is is this deal prohibitive to their prior team-building philosophy? Like, one of the things about the Eagles is they had the best roster in the NFL. And is that now a sustainable solution for the next five, six years, um, you know, with this big contract around their neck? And I, I know Jalen Hurts is an excellent player, but I think back to the Seattle Seahawks and those teams with the great defenses and the second they paid Russell Wilson, all that kind of deteriorated. Like, I just wanted to get your thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah, you know, Logan, if you just look at the breakdown of what it's going to hit, I mean, Jason probably had, might have the numbers, but, I mean, the salary cap hits, Logan, are over the next four years, there's not a year where they count $40 million to the cap, hmm. you know? And so they were able to maintain Fletcher Cox and bring back Brandon Graham and some veteran players, and Jason Kelsey is back. You know, they, they lost a couple guys, but for the most part, the core of the team, including both starting corners, are all coming back, and nobody thought any of that was was possible. Now, going forward to your question, they might not, but, you know, Lane Johnson got an extension this year. Um, you know, they, they let Isaac say a mile, Miles Sanders, uh, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, they walked, but, you know, they weren't going to keep all these guys. And so I think they do a good job managing the cap, period. Jason, what can you tell us about the numbers and what this means for the market for the next couple of guys? And then we'll circle back around to what this means for the rest of the NFC East. Sure. Well, I, I mean, first of all, to echo Baldy's sentiments, it's the nature in which this was done, right? There was no leaks. There was no our camp, their camp. There was no our version of the numbers, your version of the numbers. There wasn't a whole lot of chatter about it, but there was an industry-wide expectation that this will get done because that's the way that owner works and that's the way the GM works. Um, and the player really wants to be there and they built a system around them and you don't wait long. You don't let this go um, longer than it should. You pounce after that third year when you know the player is someone of this stature. I haven't seen the full deal, but I've seen enough of it to be able to kind of piece together. Um, you're going to see rolling option bonuses from year to year that are fully guaranteed at signing, but are prorated over the length of the contract. So, and we're talking, you know, they, they're controlling him for six years. It's, it's five new years on top of the, the year they already had. So what does it do for the market? I mean, if you're the team, you're saying, well, really, we've got him for six years. So it's 43 a year, which is pretty good for us. If you're Jalen Hurts, you're looking at the new money saying, hey, my new money is over 50. So I have set a standard. You know, so you can kind of finagle this and fudge this right to your liking. Like whichever side you're on, management or labor, you're going to find things in here that you like. But the bottom line is it was done quickly. It was done amicably. Um, and both sides are really happy with it. And, yeah, they're going to be able to keep adding players. Um, the reality is if you're going through with a guy on a franchise tag, the way these quarterback mm -hmm. salaries are going, that's when you get screwed. That's when you get handcuffed. That's when a dude's carrying 35 40 $50 million in one year in a cap and cash scenario, right? So I think the Eagles will be just fine. And, and we get so caught up in the salary cap, it is such a fungible like malleable number. It's anything but a hard cap. You could go 70, 80 million over at any given year. The Browns did it. They didn't win anything for it, but go look at their cash spend versus the cap. Look at what the Rams have done. Look at what the Bucks did to sort of, you know, fuel their run. So don't cut these billionaires any slack, man. They pay the people they want to pay, and they've got oodles and oodles and oodles of money to do so. Just to, for some context, I think just comparing the two deals, comparing what Lamar was asking for compared to what Jalen got. Can you give maybe the fans some context? Because, like, to me, this Jalen Hurts deal, like, 
Jason was kind of hitting on it, like just how team friendly it is compared to what Lamar was actually for, which is, you know, $240 million guaranteed. Well, I, you know, this the Lamar deal should have been done at least two years ago, mm. you know? And so I, you know, I don't like, I, I just think Logan, and this is not a knock on Lamar. You need agents to go in there and do this stuff. Like players can't sit on the outside and just say, write me a check. Like it doesn't work that way. There's, there's structures, there's context. These, these contracts are portfolios, you know, they're, they're thick. They're, there's a lot of language, a lot of legal stuff that gets involved. We just see the outside number, 51 million a year for, for Jalen. You know, but we don't see what, J, what, you know, Jason is, is sort of, I just felt like Lamar would, he would have benefited by having Drew Rosenhaus or somebody in there that does this every single year with elite prospects and elite talent to get the maximum worth for him. And, and he, he chose not to do that. And I think he's, and I'm not saying it's, it's just because I'm not an agent. I mean, the Ravens are culpable in a lot of this as well. So one side did it one way, the other side's doing it another way and it's not working very well. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying, though, is that like this contract structure, you know, Jalen sets, you know, $50 million a year. It's this great big number. But the structure of the deal is the thing that is the thing that helps the team out, is the thing that gets the deal done. And like you're saying, Baldy, is that like because of that structure, it works well for both parties. And Lamar is, from what I understand, has not been very flexible on that. So just, you know, fans in this area specifically in Washington have been like, oh, you know, why is Lamar signed? And a little bit of it's it's that nuance of the contract structure that makes a difference for a guy like Lamar as opposed to Jalen. Well, this is also something where the NFLPA is pushing for these fully guaranteed contracts, and I understand why, but you lose some of that fungibility with the salary cap that Jason yeah. was talking about. Like, if they want fully guaranteed contracts, then you're not going to see some of the cash go to guys because they can't move it around and can't make the numbers work on the back end. Like, a lot of this is just accounting. And when you go cap cash tied together, which is what a fully guaranteed contract is, you lose that flexibility. So I actually don't know that fully guaranteed contracts. Well, I understand like getting as much money as possible is obviously the goal. What I guess what I'm saying is I don't know that fully guaranteed contracts are ultimately the way the NFL salary cap is structured going to be the thing that gets guys the actual most money over time. I think you could probably see shorter guaranteed contracts where there's not as much reason to move it. But I, the, like you said, the structure here is what makes this deal and also allows for the Eagles to continue to build over the next couple of years. By the way, also the fact they've got a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of young guys that are making rookie deals tends to help. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Which kind of gets us to the, okay, what does this mean for the NFC East portion of the discussion? Obviously, Washington's going to go with how. Dak is, is, you know, we'll see what version of him shows up this year in Dallas. And they've lost some pieces, reconfigured a couple of things. The Giants re-signed Daniel Jones for, you know, on, on kind of a similar structure, but junior version of the money. 
Uh, and then you have Philly coming off a Super Bowl appearance where traditionally the the loser of the Super Bowl has had an off year, but based off their roster, I don't see that coming. How do we stack up this division? Uh, Baldy, we'll circle, circle back around uh, to you to get started. Well, you know, look, the Eagles won their first eight games of the year last year. We're 8-0. And Washington beat them in week nine. And they ran the ball really good. Brian Robinson had a good game. They ran the ball well that day. And immediately, the Eagles went out and signed Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. Like, literally the next day. Like, we're not going to let this happen again. Like, that's just the reaction of how the Eagles operate. They're like, we lost a game. It, it was a blip. The, Washington earned the win. They, they got the win. They played a good game. But the Eagles, the reason why the, everybody's looking up the Eagles is because if they see a weakness, they address the weakness. You know, and it goes to your, a little bit of, you know, your, your, your talk here uh, about the salary cap and how malleable it is. Like, okay, salary cap. We need defensive linemen. We got, we got to plug these leaks. They fixed it. So they have the core of their team back. They still have the best offensive line of football. Um, they've got an elite receiving core. Like, I, you know, they lost their coordinators, but they've, they've already made the adjustment. I think they're, everybody's looking up at the Eagles at this point. Um, I could go through the rest of the division, but to me, everybody's chasing Philadelphia. What about like New York? You know, obviously they just re-signed their quarterback. Like, what would you have done with Daniel Jones? I know there was a lot of debate about his value and, you know, the direction that team was going. Well, look, it was an unbelievable coaching job, to be honest with you, Logan. Like, I was there twice in training camp. And the first time I went up there, I remember their defensive coordinator telling me, Man, I'm only allowed to blitz three times a period, Baldy. I'm, I'm making these guys look too bad. Like, they were, like, non-functional, <laughs> Logan. Like, that, I, I left there going, this is the worst team, not in the NFC East or the NFC. This is the worst team in football. And there they are in the playoffs. And now, okay, so they, they're a playoff team. They win a playoff game. Unbelievable coaching job by Brian Dable, Wink Martindale, and the staff. Now, you know, Saquon's not coming in offseason. You know, Dexter Lawrence isn't coming to the offseason. He wants a deal. Like, they've already got to deal with, like, success. Like, <laughs> what a pain in the ass that is. You win one playoff game and Saquon's upset about not getting a deal and Dexter's sitting out there. Like, that's hard. That's hard to deal with. Like, they're not good enough to act like that to me. Mm. I think the Giants, um, and I wrote about this in the Washington Post, talked about the In the Huddle uh, podcast. I don't know why they handled the franchise tag the way they did. Um, and there was a little bit, I think, of naivety and, and maybe panic. They should have put the tag, the non-exclusive tag on Daniel Jones and said, look, we think your best spot is here. But if there's something out there for you and we can get two ones and you think it's somewhere else, go. But with a limited sample size with our guy, who we think, you know, able to, we're going to use the Saquon, our Go ahead, Eckler, who can't get paid or a trade. Like, you know, and there's going to go in the first round. So we're not going to put any tag on you, Saquon. And the problem is they had 13 on the table before. They ended up panicking, putting the tag on him. Now they look at the market and say, he's got nothing. I mean, if they pulled the tag, what would he – like, where's his safety net? So he's pissed off, and I get it because, wait a minute. You thought I was worth more than the tag on a long-term deal that I didn't sign. And now I'm sitting here on the tag, and I'm not happy about it. But the reality is, I don't think he's got a market. So I, I think 
their misread of the running back market led them to panic on Daniel Jones because there's only one tag to go around, right? And now they've got a, a ticked off Saquon. Saying all that, I, I believe in Brian Dable. Um, I believe in that staff. Um, and Washington, I'm very bullish on. Um, mm. A lot of smart people in that organization feel good about Sam Howe. Saying all that, I don't know, the elephant in the room, right, is if we're sitting here in oh, three weeks from now and, the, you know, Harris is the owner and it's been voted on and there's that owner's meeting next month and everybody's on board, what's he going to think about year one with Sam Howe? And there's this 26-year-old former MVP who did all that 35 miles down the road and there's a lot of Ravens fans pissed off right now. And what would this look like with Lamar Jackson? So I think that is the one team on the other side of the draft who you could kill people, including your fan base, even just by making a run at Lamar Jackson. You put an offer sheet out there, okay, the Ravens match. Guess what? No collusion case. You're, all your billionaire buddies are like, attaboy, attaboy. That one's going away. D. Smith can't say there's collusion. He got an offer sheet. You know, Ron Rivera's not your guy. Promote Eric Bieniemy. Hey, we got this lawsuit going on. Right. There's not a lot, not a lot of diversity. Every year, Troy Vincent says 5,000 questions. When's the enemy going to get a job? The enemy's got a job. Atta boy, atta boy. Who's the offensive coordinator? Greg Roman doesn't have a job right now. I'm just saying in the NFC, if they just ran the 2019 Ravens offense, which was the number one red zone offense, go look at Lamar Jackson, the red zone in 2019. With this group of weapons and this defense, they couldn't immediately compete. Really? They wouldn't be sold out? They wouldn't have a waiting list again? Yeah, they would. They'd be on prime time all the time, and that owner would be a hero. Well, the team we haven't talked about is Dallas. And uh, they've, done a, they've done a pretty good job here uh, thus far, just from the standpoint of <clears throat> defense. They, they kept their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, which was essential. I think defensively they've gotten better brains to find Gilmore in. They had a they had a, a real a real weakness all year long at the corner uh, opposite of Diggs. So I think that really helps them. And they made the right choice in letting Zeke walk. Like it's a tough choice, uh, but you know you can only pay one running back, and they chose to to, to pay Tony Pollard. You can find running backs in this draft. They're they're in every single round. Everybody says it. They'll find one. They draft well. Um, Dallas will be very, very competitive, but I like, I look, I like Washington. I like the direction they're going. Um, you know, I, I need to see more than, you know, than what I've seen from Sam Howell to be convinced. Like I'm convinced that Jalen Hurts gives you a chance to win every week. Nobody in Washington can say that about Sam Howell right now. That's not fair to Sam. He's got to, uh, he's, he needs to be allowed to start his career but I saw Jacoby Brissett play really well in Cleveland last year, really well. And he wasn't the reason why they were losing games. So I don't know if it's a competition or if Jacoby's just there to hold a clipboard and be the backup. I, I, I don't know how Eric's going to you know, run that uh, competition if it is one. I tend to think it's going to be a competition uh, because Ron Rivera would like to keep his job. And if, uh, you know, Sam's, Sam's going to start ahead. He's going to get a head start. And if they think he can surpass Jacoby. Uh, but, Logan, we've talked about this a ton. Like, Brissett's a good bar. If you're better than Jacoby Brissett, you're a pretty good NFL quarterback. And if you're not, then you got Jacoby Brissett. And that's a pretty good fallback. 
I totally agree. I mean, I think that's the thing. That's the interesting thing about talking to people not in the market is like, what is the perception of the quarterback situation here in Washington, right? Because I think we are so, Craig and I are so close to it. We hear Ron kind of spinning it every week, but it's cool to hear Baldy say, you know, like, if you think about it objectively, right, it's 19 throws in a Dallas game. And is that enough to kind of mortgage your future on? I think the interesting thing there that Jason brought up is like, if you're the new owner here, like, are you willing to pay that premium for Lamar Jackson? Not because he puts fans in the sands. Like, I, I think that's objectively something that's, that would happen. But do you think he helps his team win football games at a high level? High enough to get you in playoff contention? High enough to get you, like, to be a Super Bowl, Bowl, Bowl contender with that $240 million contract kind of looming over this team? Like, does this team, you know, are they good enough to accommodate something like that? I think that's really interesting. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that, Jason and Baldy. Well, I would love to see, I mean, I don't think anybody wouldn't um, like to see the combination of Eric Bieniemy and Lamar Jackson go to work. I mean, I'd like to see what the playbook looked like. I saw what Philadelphia did with Jalen Hurts and how they built a system around him. I mean, he became a great deep ball thrower this year because he had elite receivers. But, you know, I would like to see Lamar do that with the Terry and Dotson you know, and Curtis Samuel. I'd like to see that opportunity to put the ball, you know, down the field outside the numbers, in addition to just seeing teams scramble to try to come up with game plans to stop the running game with him and be Rob in the backfield. Like, that, that, that'd that be a lot of fun. So, but that, that, you know, we're a long ways away from anything like that happening. Sure. It's just, you know, yeah. a, a scenario to discuss. But I, I feel like, that's a long ways away from happening at this point. Sure. Yeah, and Jason, I think we talked about this when you came on my radio show. Like, There's a Venn diagram of contracts that the commanders can offer and contracts that uh, that would be reasonable and smart and contracts that the Ravens would match. And there's no overlap of those two pieces of a Venn diagram. So like, yes, I hear what you're saying on terms of like, hey, like it helps, it helps the, you know, the collusion case and you know uh josh harris could make some friends in the ownership group but realistically like there's just no way that baltimore lets him come here so it's fun to dream about and if you could right. acquire him i think a hundred percent they should do it i just think there's zero chance that he's he's coming here even with a new owner the worst case scenario is that that this guy matches but i'm for the league and you said to, to your fan base that look i'm i'm this is what I'm about. You know what I mean? The days of balling on a budget and Bruce Allen saying we're winning off the field. Like, <laughs> we're here to get the best football players we possibly, even if it ruffles some feathers. And you say there's not a way, but I, I, I look, money talks. And there's voidable years. And if you put a scenario out there where Lamar Jackson's making $100 million in the first month deal, does Steve Bashotti really want to do it? And if he does, so be it. Um, but I, I wouldn't say it's especially if you view it through the prism of, of a financial premium because we're on the other side of the draft. And we're going to the playoffs with Lamar Jackson. So we're talking a 2024 draft pick now after I'm raising an NFC East banner in, the, in, in my junk stadium now, but my new stadium's on the way. Right. Like, what is what is that worth? I mean, it, it's the worth two, the two twos are in their team with Lamar Jackson to pick 25 and pick a year from now and pick 28 the year after that or 26. I don't know. I mean, I hear you. 
But that's also best case scenario because he's also missed time the last couple of years, and there's just no way to predict all of these different things. It's very multifactorial. Um, we can we can talk about this forever. And in fact, <laughs> it feels like we all have talked about this forever. We have talked about uh, it a lot. So with, with a week left of the draft, uh, we'll keep things moving here. 